Proverbs 8. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates leading into the city, at the entrances she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call out, I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. Listen, for I have worthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are faultless to those who have knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. By me, kings reign, and rulers make laws that are just. By me, princes govern, and all nobles who rule on earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the ways of righteousness, along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Before his deeds of old, I was appointed from eternity. From the beginning, before the world began, when there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so that the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. This is God's word.
Dawn, thank you very much for reading to us. Good morning, everyone. My name's Simon, one of the ministers here, and we're going to spend our time in that chapter, so do keep it open and let me pray as we begin. God, our Heavenly Father, thank you that you speak, that you're not silent, that we don't have to navigate this world without your instruction. And Father, as we give our attention to that instruction now, please humble us. Please help us to listen. Please help us to hang on your words. In Jesus' name, amen. How do you decide whether somebody is worth listening to? That's a pretty crucial skill in our our 21st century world, isn't it? The number of voices clamoring for our attention these days is unimaginably vast, and it's only going to increase as technology and the the population of the world grows and grows. I I guess just two decades ago, uh, our information world consisted of books, magazines, newspapers, uh, and that's about it. Today... Websites, blogs, social networks, web feeds, emails multiply and update themselves endlessly over and over again. Apparently the number of websites in the world is now measured in tens of billions, which is more than the number of people in the world. So what do you do with that? So we need to work out which voices offer credible knowledge and which are untrustworthy, inauthentic, just fluff that we should ignore. The more we subject ourselves to that clamor without some sort of discernment, the more we risk becoming either naive or cynical because of how difficult it is to decide whether each voice is worth listening to. Now, you'll have picked up from our reading this morning that in Proverbs 8, there is a voice, the voice of wisdom. It's a familiar voice if you've been with us these last few weeks as we've gone through these uh, opening chapters of Proverbs. The wisdom of God is personified over and over again in uh, poetic terms as a wise woman who invites us to listen and benefit from her instruction. We had brief encounters with her in a number of previous chapters. She's there in chapter 1, chapter 3, 4, 7. But here in chapter 8, she's back for a whole chapter. Uh, We get to see a really close look at her. We're going to spend most of our time at the end of the chapter in verses 22 onwards. But let me, uh, just for a moment, take a glance at the beginning of the chapter. Much of this will be familiar from what we've seen if you've heard Wisdom speak in these chapters previously. As before, she's issuing her invitation. Verse 1, she calls out. She raises her voice. Verse 2, she takes her stand in all sorts of different places, on the heights where the paths meet. Verse 3, beside the gates leading into the city, at the entrances. In other words, in everyday places where people spend their working lives, wisdom is calling out, speaking, wanting a, a hearing. And she really wants us to listen. Verse 4, she raises her voice to all mankind. Verse 6, she says, listen, for I have worthy things to say. She makes huge claims. Verse uh, 6, she says, I speak what is right. Verse 7, what is true. Verse 8, all the words of my mouth are just. Verse 9, to the discerning, all of them are right. They are faultless to those who have knowledge. She's sure of herself, isn't she? Gets even stronger in the next paragraph. Verse 12, she says, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence, which might sound like she shares a flat with Gordon Brown. It doesn't quite mean that. It means if you want to be prudent, you've got to visit Lady Wisdom. 
And look what else in verse 12 she, she has in her possession. She says, I possess knowledge and discretion. Verse 14, counsel and sound, sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. In other words, all of those things are rightfully hers to give us, not anyone else's. Tomorrow, what have you got planned? In your decisions tomorrow, your, your choices, do you want to be prudent, knowledgeable, discreet, exercise good judgment, good counsel, understanding, genuine power? There's only one legitimate place to get all those things. Lady Wisdom says, I own them all. They're all at my house. Come and get them from me. Isn't that a ridiculous thing to say? Surely you don't have to be a Christian to be prudent or knowledgeable or just or discreet and so on. All of us know people of any faith and and no faith who can act in those ways, who can seem very wise. Well, wisdom says, no, no, you don't understand. Verse 15. It is by me that kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. Verse 16. By me, princes govern and all nobles who rule on earth. Do you get it, she says? When a king or a a government makes a just law, whether they know it or not, they are using what belongs to me. I am, she says, the rightful owner of all knowledge, all truth, all justice, all good counsel. Those things are mine. So if you see them uh, where I'm not being acknowledged, then in some sense, uh, then it's a forgery. It's a knockoff bootleg version of wisdom, which is a copy of the real thing. So come to my house and you can legitimately take hold of real wisdom. I'll share these possessions with you, she says. Those are pretty extraordinary claims, aren't they? Uh, So here's the question. Why should we trust her? Why is her voice reliable? Why should we listen to woman wisdom? Because there are other voices, even in the book of Proverbs. We've heard some of them. We've heard the voice of folly, the voice of uh, the seductive but adulterous woman, the voice of men who want to lead their so-called friends astray into sin. And those voices today are presumably multiplied millions and millions of times over. But wisdom says in verse 10, choose my instruction. Saying that her knowledge is better than gold and silver and rubies, language that we saw back in chapter 3. So why, of all the voices, would anyone listen to wisdom? In many ways, this is what chapters 1 to 9 of Proverbs is all about, persuading us to read and uh, pay attention to the rest of the book. Well, let, let me put it like this. Why would everybody in the world, why should everybody in the world let God, the God of the Bible, direct their lives with absolute authority? That's what we're talking about. If Lady Wisdom, Woman Wisdom, poetically stands for God's wisdom, when she says to all mankind, listen to me above all the other voices, she means everybody in the world, let God, God, the God of the Bible, direct your life and tell everyone else to do the same. I don't know if that makes your hackles rise, 
if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, uh, maybe such a claim to absolute authority and direction for God and his wisdom sounds ridiculous in our, our modern, sophisticated age of information with all of these competing voices. We've learned to be cynical of, of huge claims like that. This voice is making huge, huge claims. Why would we listen to her? And if you're a, a Christian, uh, maybe here on Sunday morning in church, it's easy to say in principle, yes, 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 I'll let God direct my life. But tomorrow, maybe tomorrow feels a little bit like a different world where other voices can drown out the Bible and make the Bible sound antiquated, naive, even irrelevant. And other people around you seem to get by perfectly well without her, without woman wisdom, people that you admire. Maybe in reality, you're a Christian who would rather just trust God for the next life. You'll take uh, forgiveness in heaven, but not his direction for now. So why should we listen to wisdom? Well, verse 22 onwards tells us exactly why. Wisdom herself pulls back the veil and tells us who she really is. This is wisdom's autobiography, and she is truly extraordinary. Uh, So let me take us through two big things that she reveals about herself. First, she predates the universe. And second, she crafted the universe. So let's read from verse 22. Wisdom says, The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works, before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. Wisdom is really, really old. When we try to decide whether someone is worth listening to, the length of their age or experience often comes into it. People like Nelson Mandela, Queen Elizabeth, often uh, come near the top of polls of the most respected people around, people who are most worthy of our attention. Uh, Nelson Mandela is 94, the Queen is 86. The longer they live, the more respected they seem to be. Uh, Most societies understand that principle better than than ours does. Uh, Too often in in our society, the elderly are uh, paid no attention, shut away as irrelevant. Uh, They should be surely treated with honor, listened to as wise, at least because of their age. But this is something else. 84, 96, that is nothing. Woman wisdom predates the universe. Her experience is longer than anyone's, utterly unparalleled. Look at some of the things that she predates. Verse 24, 25, and 26. Three pairs of features in the world. In verse 24, uh, she speaks of oceans and springs. Uh, Wisdom was born long before there was any water in the oceans or any springs on the earth. The River Thames, I guess you'd say that is basically the oldest thing in London. Uh, It's why the city was built here. Uh, It's the first point in land where they could build a bridge. And everything else in London is much, much younger than the Thames, which apparently has flowed in roughly its current position since an ice age 450,000 years ago. If there's wisdom older than the river, well, it dates back to long before London ever came to be. Or look out over the oceans. Uh, They are mind-bogglingly huge and old. We had a a holiday in Spain in November, had an apartment window that looked right across the sea. Just every uh, angle you looked at was was sea. It's just extraordinary. You know that feeling, don't you? Looking across the vastness, which is at once relaxing and awe-inspiring. 
There is, I, I, I read this week, 332 million cubic miles of water in the world's oceans. Cubic mi- think of one cubic mile. Multiply that by 332 million. Whatever process has got all of that water there, how many billions of years ago, wisdom was around before that. In verse 25, the pair is mountains and hills. When we come across ancient human wisdom, we often say wisdom as old as the hills, which of course it isn't. Uh, nowhere near, unless you live somewhere like Iceland, where hills are just being produced by volcanoes as you watch. Um, but geologists tell us that uh, uh, a lot of the rocks forming the, the mountains, the hills of the world, they're dated in billions of years. And yet Lady Wisdom is not just as old as the hills, she's older. She was there, given birth long before they were. Verse 26, it's the earth or fields or any of the dust of the earth. Now we're, we're much more in human territory, land that, that we've now cultivated into fields. Farming and agriculture, I guess you'd say, are about the oldest kinds of wisdom known to humanity. But God's wisdom, Lady Wisdom, was, was there long before we'd figured any of that stuff out long before God made the land itself. And the dust, well, remember how human beings back in Genesis uh, 2 were made from dust. And in Genesis 3, we'll return to dust when we die. Well, wisdom was there when God made that dust. The, The particles that comprise you and me, what makes up our bodies. Wisdom was there before that was made. So the age and experience of woman wisdom is utterly unparalleled. Oceans, mountains, fields, they seem to us to have existed forever when measured against our tiny little time frame. But there's a source of wisdom that predates all of them. Now, we really need to take note of this. Uh, The other day I spent a little bit of time looking up some dates of, of human discoveries and inventions. Compared to the ancient pre-existent wisdom of this woman in in Proverbs 8, our discoveries are really embarrassingly recent. So after thousands of years of knowing something about electricity, only in 1800 did Alessandro Volta work out how to make a battery. took a while. Only in 1911 did we figure out that there's a nucleus in the middle of an atom. Only in 1928 did we discover antibiotics. Only in 1930 did we spot Pluto out there in our solar system. Only in 1938 did we work out how nuclear fission works. That had been going on in the sun for billions of years. Only in 1964 did we realize that matter is made up of quarks. Only in 1996 could you Google for the first time. Only in 2012, last year, did they discover the Higgs boson. Now, supposedly, it's the particle that shows why other things have mass. And when you think about it, that's, that's fairly basic to reality. We've only just figured it out. Shouldn't that humble us? What else don't we yet know? Human knowledge is so young, so tentative, so susceptible to being wrong. And yet woman wisdom says, I was around long before all of those things. I go back to before the world began, before any speck of matter or energy in the universe existed. Go to a scientist and ask them what happened prior to the Big Bang. You'll just get a shrug. 
No one knows. You follow the laws of physics back as far as they go. Uh, it ends at a point called the singularity, and, and prior to that, well, it's a big mystery. Wisdom holds up her hand and says, I was there. Now will you listen to me? If there's a source of wisdom that predates the universe and everything in it, we'd be fools to ignore it. Surely we should seek her out and listen. Now, a quick aside. Some this morning might be aware that these verses uh, were at the centre of an enormous controversy in the early church. There was a huge debate raging about whether Jesus was uh, eternal and divine in nature or whether he was just a created human being like all the rest of us. Uh, So whether he came into existence at some point. And people looked at Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Uh, And uh, they thought that maybe that verse would decide the issue. Because uh, some of the words in in that verse can be translated in all sorts of different ways. You look at the footnotes and you can see some of the options. Uh, People suggested it maybe as saying God's wisdom was created at some point. And others argued it meant God's wisdom was possessed by him. So not necessarily created. That was hotly, hotly, hotly debated. So it might be helpful for some here this morning if you know something of that debate. If I just say very directly, woman wisdom is not Jesus. Not directly, anyway. I hope having read Proverbs in context makes that fairly obvious. We're not supposed to think that she's a real person at all. She's not some sort of character in heaven, a goddess or an angel or a queen at God's side. Uh, And she's not Jesus, at least not directly. At the end uh, this morning, I'll show how Jesus fulfills the picture of wisdom given here. But this is poetry. God's wisdom is portrayed as a character who speaks to us. So that is what we're saying. God's wisdom is older than the oceans, older than the hills, older than the fields and the dust that you and I are made of. There is a wisdom, God's wisdom, that predates the universe. No other voice can claim that. And all the billions of web pages and blogs, books and papers, maybe you remember in the book of Job, God's challenge to him. Were you there? When I laid the earth's foundation, tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions, who stretched a a measuring line across it. And God provocatively provocatively says to, to Job, surely you know, for you were already born. You've lived so many years. Job is expected to respond to God saying, no, 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 no. I wasn't born. I wasn't there. I don't know. Wisdom says I was there. So surely we must listen to her. There's more. It's not just that she predates the universe. Secondly, in verse 27 to 31, she crafted the universe. Verse 27 begins uh, a long sentence. So let's pick it up from that point. I was there, she says, when he, God, set the heavens in place when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so that the waters would not overstep his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. I was there, she says. They're doing what? Verse 30. I was the craftsman at his side. Now remember, this is poetic description. It's not that God had uh, a little uh, a, 
assistant builder at his side, uh, except in this poetic depiction. This is God's own wisdom at work. We saw something of that already in uh, chapter 3. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By his understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided and let the clouds drop their dew. So the language here in chapter 8 is uh, of architecture and construction. Have a look at the, uh, the verbs there in verses 26 to 30. Set in place, marked out, established, fixed, gave its boundary, marked out foundations. God's wisdom is the, the master craftsman of the universe. And again, the detail here is just breathtaking. In verse 27, the heavens, have you ever gazed up into the night sky with uh, somewhere where there's no artificial light pollution and seen... Excuse me, the, the, the architecture of it all. You'll see more stars than you could ever count. You might see the, the, the Milky Way, just a, a little visible hint that we're orbiting around a galaxy so unimaginably vast that it takes light 100,000 years to get from one side to the other. And that's one of 100 billion galaxies, people estimate. God's wisdom set that in place, crafted it, put it there. More down to earth, verse 27. He marked out the horizon. It's as if God took a a giant set of compasses and uh, described a circle around you, saying, this is how far you'll be able to see on the earth. Uh, At this point in your eyesight, uh, the earth will meet the sky. God chose that. He he decided the dimensions of that. Verse 28 uh, looks at things vertically. Uh, Look up and see the clouds. Look down and see the deep oceans. God fixed those vertical dimensions. He decided where everything should be from the atmosphere down to the the depths of the ocean. Verse 29 takes things horizontally. God fixed uh, the boundaries of the sea so the waters wouldn't overstep his command. If I tell you uh, right now to try and imagine a map of the world, I guess you've got some sort of rough image in your head, the familiar sort of rounded contours of Africa, the pointed bits of South America and India. Sorry, I'm just painting it in the way that makes sense to me, not you. Uh, Europe with, with Italy that has the, the boot shape, bizarrely appropriately. Um, those contours, they're God's design. He marked that out. And then underneath it all, verse 29, the foundations of the earth. I read that the the deepest excavation ever achieved by a human being is the Kola Superdeep Borehole in Russia, dug between 1970 and 1989. It goes down for eight miles underneath the earth's surface, which sounds impressive until you remember that the earth is 8,000 miles in diameter. And uh, Time magazine in, in 2009 wrote about that and said, actually, the planet's interior remains almost as much a mystery to us as it was when Jules Verne wrote uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth in 1874. A mystery to us, but not a mystery to wisdom. The craftsman at God's side, she made it all. She put it there. And as she made it, it was a thing of delight. Verse 30. She says, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in God's presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. 
This is a job well done. These last few weeks at home, we've had some building work. Our landlord uh, was refurbishing the bathroom. The result is is okay. Uh, During the work, though, it was not a matter for rejoicing. Uh, There was unplanned disaster after unplanned disaster, workmen who never showed up when they promised. One day the boiler tank above the the boiler overflowed and flooded a kitchen unit. The latest saga was the discovery that our, our toilet was expelling waste into the stairwell outside the flat next door. Yes, imagine the worst. It was like that. And over and over again, the builders would turn up and say, sorry, 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 we'll sort it out, we'll sort it out. By contrast, when I was growing up, uh, my grandparents lived in a house that my, my grandpa had designed and built. It was a great house. It was beautiful. Uh, we loved spending time there. Whenever I remembered that, that grandpa had built the house and designed it himself, I was full of admiration for him. His skill, his good taste, his careful hard work. How much more so when wisdom crafted the universe. It was a thing of great delight. Remember the refrain over and over again in Genesis 1 describing creation. It was good. It was good. God saw it and it was good. Everything God made was good, including verse 31. Mankind, you and me. Wisdom delights in you and me. That's why she wants us to listen and be the beneficiaries of her wisdom. Wisdom crafted the universe around us. What what does that mean for us? Three things uh, to briefly bring out. First, the order, the structure of the universe makes sense. Scientists understand more and more of the so-called laws by which the universe operates, but aren't those laws mysterious? Why should they exist? Why shouldn't everything just be chaos or, or, or nothing at all? Why, before the Big Bang, are we told that there were laws capable of producing everything that we see? Well, no one has... a a really sensible answer, except God's wisdom. She says, I did it. I was there. It was my idea. Of course, we, we as human beings need that order and structure in the universe to survive. The universe seems to be bizarrely set up to support human life. The forces at work within tiny particles and on the grand scale of the universe seem to be so perfectly balanced, so finely tuned to support life. We depend on on those things to live. That makes very little sense. Unless God's wisdom delights in mankind and orders the universe to, to some extent so that we might live in it. So the order and structure of our universe makes sense if his wisdom Uh, crafted it. Secondly, the goodness of the universe makes sense. Not just in terms of the the mathematical and physical structure, but in terms of beauty and wonder and enjoyment of the sights and the sounds and smells and sensations of the world. All sorts of philosophies over the centuries have denied the goodness of creation as if it's something to be escaped rather than delighted in. That kind of thinking has very often infected the church in various ways. But if we understand that God's wisdom crafted the universe as a thing of delight to be celebrated, then we'll realize both that the universe is not God, therefore not to be worshipped or idolized, but also that the universe is made by God and therefore something to to celebrate and and, uh, give thanks to him for. 
later in the Bible, 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, reminds us not to put our hope in created things like wealth, but to put our hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Uh, The Reformation theologian John Calvin said, There's not one blade of grass, and there's no color in this world that is not intended to make us rejoice. The order and structure of this universe makes sense. The goodness of this universe makes sense. And thirdly, the source, the true source of all wisdom is revealed. So if God's wisdom lies behind the reality around us and underpins everything about how the world is, then we need that wisdom in order to live wisely in the world that wisdom made. The wisdom in Proverbs speaks to us as the wisdom that predated and and crafted the universe. So the, the wisdom in the Bible is not merely human. It is not temporary and fallible like all merely human knowledge. It is permanent and perfect. Now we need to know that if we're going to listen to her because, quite frankly, she's very intrusive. (laughs) You read through the book of Proverbs and uh, Lady Wisdom wants to talk to you about every aspect of your life. She wants to talk to you about love and friendship and sex and money and investment and work and every little bit of your life that is very personal. She wants to get involved. But if she constructed the universe, then it is she who will understand all those areas of your life far better than anyone else. What situations, difficulties, problems, decisions will you navigate tomorrow, this week, this month? If you do it without God's wisdom, you'll be grasping in the dark, you'll flounder. So, listen. If you get what we've just said, listen. So verse 32. Now then, my sons, she says, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Now then has the sense of, so after everything I've said, do you get it? Will you now listen? If this is who I am, if you understand who I am, listen to me. It's a little bit like um, Romeo. He'll do anything to get to Juliet, to spend time with her. Verse 34. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Do anything you can to get to wisdom's house and benefit from her. Your choice is either life and favor from her in verse 35 or harm and death in verse 36. After Proverbs 8, that should be obvious. Be in relationship with God, the one who made the world, the made the universe. Align with his wisdom. Live his way in his world. That's going to lead to life, favor, But reject a relationship with God. Hate him in the strong language of verse 36. That's a ridiculous thing to do, to throw out the the maker's instructions for the world that he made, throw out the maker himself. How's that going to end? It can't end well. Harm in this life, death in the next, if we push 
the wisdom that made this world out of our lives. So listen, listen to wisdom. And finally, listen to Christ. How does woman wisdom, lady wisdom, point to Christ? We've said she's not him, not directly. She's a, a poetic personification of uh, a characteristic of God, his, his wisdom. But she does point to Jesus. She is fulfilled in him. So let me show you that from one place in the Bible. Could you turn with me uh, in your Bibles to page 1128? This is the book of Colossians and chapter 1, page 1128. Sorry, 1182. Page 1182. Colossians chapter 1, and uh, let's pick it up from verse 16. For by him, by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him, Jesus, and for him. He, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. See, Colossians says... It's Jesus that created all things. He's the one who predated and crafted the universe. He, he sounds a lot like the wisdom of Proverbs 8, doesn't he? How does that work? Well, if wisdom is a characteristic of God, Jesus is God. So you look at Jesus and you see that wise characteristic of God in its fullest expression to us. You look us to see all that... Uh, look at Jesus to see all that Lady Wisdom has to offer. Everything she offers is found in him. And so, uh, as Paul continues to write in the book of Colossians, glance forward to chapter 2, verse 2. He writes, My purpose is that they, the churches, may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ, the one who truly predated and crafted the universe. How do you decide whether someone is worth listening to? Well, if you know who Jesus is, If you know that he predates and crafted the universe, you'll realize you need his voice more than any other. All of God's wisdom is found in him. The wisdom we need most is found in Christ. So go to his house. Go to church. Listen to his words. Listen to the Bible. That is what you and I need most for living today, tomorrow, this week. As we finish, there's somebody here this morning, and I won't name names to save embarrassment, who used to go to sleep in every sermon. I'm sure he's not alone. Uh, But for this person, it was kind of deliberate in a way. He wasn't expecting anything particularly useful. Uh, He was tired, so why not just switch off? Uh, He was even more uh, obvious at his Christian union, where he'd show up, curl up on the sofa, go to sleep in front of everyone. Keep quiet if you know who it is. Well, I'm very happy to report that that person sometime in the last couple of years had an extraordinary transformation. 
that same person now hangs on every word that he can get from the Bible, frantically scribbling notes. Can't wait to talk about it afterwards. Why? He's worked it out. The penny's dropped. Ask him today. He'll say, I was an idiot. I need the Bible more than anything else. There's nothing more relevant and reliable and insightful than the words of Jesus. If you've realized that too, then listen to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for sending him. He's our our saviour, our Lord. He's our wisdom. The fullest expression of wisdom from you. We thank you so much that we live in a world to which he has come. We thank you that in scripture we have access to that extraordinary deposit of wisdom that predates and crafted the universe. Father, help us to twig that, to, to understand that to see how your wisdom needs to take first place in everything that we listen to. Father, we pray that this week, in whatever uh, complications of life, struggles, uh, decisions we face, that we would look first and foremost to your wisdom, to listen to it and be shaped by it so that our lives would be directed by you and not misdirected away from you. In Jesus' name, amen.